Hello and welcome to Finding Your North Star, the HGKC podcast series where we talk to prominent business people about their experiences and challenges of innovation. I'm Peter Quintana and I'm delighted to welcome Phil Warren, founder and managing director of Energy and Technical Services, an award-winning multidisciplinary practice specialising in energy management, technical engineering, building automation and compliance. Formed over 20 years ago as a facilities management support business, Phil has, in the last four to five years, pivoted the business away from a traditional energy management and M&E consultancy to a data-led organization able to offer his clients significant insights and guidance on building performance optimization and system integration. Welcome, Phil. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, pleasure. Uh, so we, we continually hear, Phil, about how technology innovations are helping businesses to do old things in new ways. But one of these, remote access, which has actually been around quite a long time, has really provided you with the opportunity to step up quickly to meet the new challenges being faced by your clients. So um, could we start there, please, with some background and how this has helped you to add value during lockdown? Yes. Uh, really, what um, remote connectivity, for those old enough to remember dial-up modems and waiting for the bebop bebop booze to finish and hoping that you had a connection we've had access to remote uh, buildings for you know over 30 years um, so with the advent of the um, internet of things and the way data acquisition has happened we've always been in this space but we've seen massive um, uptake in the amount of data that we're able to collect and the um, decisions that can be made at the back of this data and it's very very important and, and as we go through the discussion we'll talk about the answering the right questions for the customer um, this has helped us to have more and more data points within the buildings so when we have um, connectivity with these buildings our clients have quite um, layered businesses and different people want different things from the, the data that we collect so we're able to collect and satisfy a number of points um, as we roll through the buildings um, and it's quite interesting that um, one of the things that we've done uh, last year we we because we've always had these connections we um, acquired um, a business to enable us to get more data connections quickly more clever guys on site so because now moving into this um, horrible covid situation we've had the resources able to be um, remotely operating the buildings that are still in place and looking at how we um, mothball the buildings that are currently in play. Um, and that means we can do it remotely without exposing our operatives to um, site restrictions or um, exposure to any health and safety issues working remotely. So it's, it's been quite a journey for the last 22 years to see the changes that have happened and how we've um, incorporated an awful lot of those um, technological advances. And, and it, it'll also help you when, when we do come out of this to be able to unmothball those buildings, if you like, or, and, and also phase them back into use because it's quite likely that we're not going to be going straight back to everybody's work all at once, is it? Absolutely right. And you don't want to flip the switch and turn all the systems on and have a building which is um, quite inefficient in its operation, especially at the moment when um, everybody's looking at saving costs. You've got to be able to appropriate the right, the right amount of control to the amount of people that are coming in. And when you're integrating a number of different systems, it, it's quite interesting what can be done. 
Um, what we found also with uh, with COVID, there are new um, regulations with regard to airflows. So what we're able to do, rather than shut everything down and run it at minimum, we've actually got to operate them uh, with greater airflow. So we put more air through the building so that they are, are breathing a little better. Um, and then we are able to monitor that against the energy consumption that's happening to get the best efficiency for the client against the, the latest um, guidelines there are because an awful lot of people don't understand the guidelines and they don't understand the mechanical electrical equipment so we're able to do that for them. Yeah, You, you mentioned um, uh, data points you, you started investing some time ago in <clears throat> into um, artificial intelligence didn't you to allow you to tap into greater volumes of data for your clients so, so what, what exactly have you done and how has that helped you now how's that helped you today? Well, it's about um, four or five years ago, um, I decided the business to do a major pivot from what you would understand um, from a mechanical electrical consultancy that you'd recognize that do energy management. Um, I decided that we should pivot to be a data led organization um, without actually realizing all the things that that would bring. However, as we've um, gone on this journey, we have invested heavily in um, data infrastructure and IT, um, and we now have a data warehouse, which enables us to basically pour data points into a warehouse, and then we can run queries for clients. And it's now turning into a situation that the client is asking us to take different information to overlay it with our mechanical or electrical, the energy consumption, and other aspects of what they do. If I give you a, for instance, we're working, um, in Europe with a major um, petrol um, provider. However, it's not just petrol, it's petrol, they've got a shop, um, they've got a cafe, they've got massive car washes, um, and they've got electric charging points. So we've hooked up their buildings from a mechanical, electrical, energy perspective, but we're also now taking information about how many people fill up from the petrol pumps, how many people are using the electrical charging points, and of those demographics, how many people are going through the car wash? And of those people that have stopped to fill up electrically or charge electrically, um, how many of them are then buying um, chocolate bars or are they buying um, hamburgers? And how many coffees are, they, coffees are they buying? Do they need two coffee machines or just one at peak time? So it's now different sorts of data sets that we're able to collect now that we've invested in that infrastructure. So that's, for us, been a, a major step forward. And we're now looking at things that we really didn't expect to be looking at, but it's to the client's benefit. He's still efficient, and he wants to be efficient with other services that we um, have, haven't have explored for them previously. Yeah, so it's almost from going from, from a, a, an energy management consultancy to one that's consulting around service design and the, 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 the actual service blueprint in, the, in places like forecourts and other, other buildings that are being used by by customers and the general public, I guess. Absolutely, because we work very heavily in um, commercial office building stock and with retailers. And you can imagine with retailers, they've got refrigeration, heating, ventilation, lighting controls, um, um, how many people are buying the latest um, offers that they're putting up. So there's all this sort of data that is there. And it's now layering that data so that the right people in the right part of the organization can get the information back. It's, it's a sim some of it is as simple as if you want to run your chilled aisle at a certain temperature, what does that do to the refrigeration? And what does that do to the customer's shopping experience? Do we all linger longer in the, in the chilled aisle or do we get out of there because it's a bit chilly? 
and that's the sort of data points that the customer's now looking at again with flows around the building where are people going and they stop in to look at the latest um, offer that we have uh, usually on the end of an aisle and what's the temperature there what's the um, humidity is it a comfortable place for them to be shopping so the retailers are looking at this quite heavily you um i've heard in the conversations that we've had i've heard you say several times <clears throat> let's learn together referring to conversations you're having with with, with your clients what, what what exactly do you mean by that it's a very interesting question um i think it's as much when we sit with a client we have we know an awful lot of technology we have years and years of, of technological experience with various um applications so we know what we can do the customer doesn't fully appreciate the range of what can be done so it's a case of not just selling what we've got but sitting with them and discussing what are the other benefits that will come out if we do this what is the other information that you can get that we can learn about together and when we start to learn about your building your operation we can then other offer other insights from the data that we collect with you and for you so it's very much that we don't go in with a complete solution because a client has a problem and we can solve that problem but it's a case of expanding the conversation to say well, what else do you want to get at the technologies that we can put um, in your premises? So it's, it's very much that let's learn together because that way we've got a deeper um, time with the building. We're sticky, stickier as a, uh, as a supplier to them because we're giving them good information. And then when a new technology comes up, they quite often will say to us, let's have a look at this together. Where is it going to work? So we're able to um, become part of their organization so that we're trusted and relied on <clears throat> and we can talk quite openly about the information that they have at their fingertips and who's going to benefit from it within their organization so we cross a lot of silos really within organizations. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again that was was one of the things i wanted to ask you about because one of the things that struck me where we would be talking is the extent to which your client will bring you a new technology solution that they've been offered by somebody else and not even you to to review so why why would they bring that to you and not have that conversation with the technology supplier themselves quite often um quite often people will sell what they've got rather than what the customer wants um and there may be a solution that is great but we're completely um technology agnostic we, we really don't mind where it's come from what it is so the client because we've as we've just spoken about got data points and looking at the building they'll actually come to us and say right we've been offered this they say you know the the vendor says it's going to save us 15 percent of our energy why aren't we using it so then we have to look at the maths on it we look at the science on it look at the engineering involved in whatever the product may be and then we can make an evaluation for the client and say actually this is just an iteration of what's gone before and it's not going to do what it says it's going to do or we think this might have legs let's put it in a place in one of your sites that's live that we can then run the tests to see what's happening um, and then we'll go through the monitoring and targeting of that um, initiative and actually say because we're, you know we, we've got no commercial time with any of this equipment we'll say that is a great piece of equipment we need to roll it out and then we'll work out how that happens or it really didn't give us the results that, that we were anticipating so therefore it's not good for your estate and, and it we take it away so we find doing that that we are quite near the edge of a lot of new technology that's coming through 
as you'll imagine, retailers and um, a lot of facilities providers are inundated with people selling them the next best thing. And really, they're not technically qualified to, um, the, the customer is not technically qualified to evaluate what he's being sold. So we sit there as a trusted advisor just to run through with the client. And, and that's our role. And it, it's, it's again, it, it makes us a sticky supplier to these organizations because it just says, I'll send it off to ETS and they'll have a look at it for us. You didn't, you didn't really set out to be a systems integrator, but it gives you a potential new market, a whole new market, doesn't it? Oh, massively, absolutely massively. If you think of um, any, any commercial building retailer, they've got so many different systems that they're working in, and systems is an overused word in, in my industry because you'll have in a supermarket refrigeration, heat and vent, lighting, um, small power, and it's all on different control systems. So now with connectivity, the client is saying, well, I want all these points connected so that I've got one dashboard where I can look at all these points. So, and, and in commercial office buildings, it, it's a case we're gonna be in a touchless, um, low physical communication um, um, world when we, when we do go back. So when, you, when, when you're going into a commercial office building a meeting, it'll be on your iPhone, you'll swipe your iPhone on the way in and, and the doors will open, it'll say who you are, that will physically sign you into the building. You've then got sh sh barriers that you will then show your phone to and it will say go to lift three. Lift three will then take you to the floor that you're on. Then you have a map on your phone that will take you to the meeting room. You just tap your, your phone on the, the meeting room iPad or whatever um, they've got there. And that will tell the, the meeting um, organizer that you're there. By the time that's happened, the lighting will have come on in the meeting. The AV will be working in there, so you don't have to phone the IT guys and cables and trying to connect laptops. It'll all be there and working for you and at the right temperature. Um, so there's all these advancements, but because you've got existing systems and you've got the new systems, we're finding that we're doing an awful lot of looking at how to marry the two together without massive expense for the client. And this is where the clever people we have in the organization will sit and think about it and the different computer languages that are involved and say, well, we know this works with, with, with whatever application. Uh, and this is, this is a massive market for us now. I was talking to somebody yesterday um, who um, was saying that one of, one of the functions of business is, is as a place of social contact. So it's going to be quite interesting to see how that, how that all unfolds after we come out of this period. But, but you will have very smart spaces as well, Peter, in yeah. that you're going into work, you'll, you'll have all those um, processes that will sign you into the building automatically and your workstation, because, because your phone has told everything that's connected that you're coming, your workstation will be live by the time you get there. And in the fullness of time, there'll be a coffee machine on the way that you'll just pick up Peter's cup of coffee <laughs> and on your way to your workstation, which is already fired up for you and ready to go. And this yeah. is, it is on the way, the smart working spaces is, is all part of the big picture. Yeah. Well, there, there, are, there are a lot of people I mean, talking about people and, and, and what the impact is going to be or what, what the working world is likely to be when we come out of, of lockdown and beyond. But there's a lot of people talking about the impact of working from home and furlough on your people. How have, I know your, your people, you've got some furlough, but, but everybody else more or less working from home. How have your people found it and where have you, what, what have you been doing to help them through this period? And I mean, you've just talked about whether we'll ever go back to how things were, but 
you know uh, so so how how's it going now how are your people now well um as much as anybody when when um the crisis hit we were going through a massive it infrastructure we we're on continual improvement and we were just getting over a major speed bump and fortunately um a month prior to um uh, lockdown happening we had bought 20 surface pro computers that we were going to give to our people and integrate them into this so for us straight away we had 20 laptops that we could give to people and say go home we had the um, hookups and vpn connections to our remote working space at that time so it wasn't too difficult but what we found is that the traffic through personal vpns came a bit lumpy so through the last three weeks we've had again a lot of work going on to um, shift to a new connect um, connections module through a vdi and everything we have moved from some remote servers in the office everything's out on the cloud now and our efficiency has come up massively um, and now we're trying to monitor and manage that those efficiencies we've got um, 17 people still working 15 uh, are out furloughed um, for us communication Peter has been a massive part of this that we've had to really really up our communication skills and I don't know about the rest of you guys but I'm also almost fed up with um, video conferencing already because it's not that that I will contact you can't read the room i find in video conferences a lot of people talk over each other because it's not that human interaction um and we did have people that said that they wanted to be flexible working and working from home um and they said they loved it for the first week now they can't wait to get back so there's a new normal that we have to face and as business owners and business leaders um i'm now discussing with my management team the problems that we're going to face with regard to the flexible working request somebody who says why do i have to come back to the office because i've been remote for the last 10 15 weeks and i've done fine why do i need to come back in um so we've got to work through all those problems and we don't we don't have all the answers at the moment um but we're working on it because it's the reality of where we're going to and where we're, we're gonna how it's going to be i expect you've all experienced different thought processes while you've been at home sometimes it's not so bad sometimes you want to be in the office um, discussing things with people um, it's the new normal what's it going to be i think it's going to be a lot more of this a lot more remote a lot less traveling a lot more smart buildings um, but we just have to work through it we're also as i said before i mean we are we are social animals aren't we so yeah you know work is a big center of social contact for for people always has been even even the younger people of today who might be a bit more a bit more uh, au fait with you know communicating with their friends on one of these smartphones will still still want to meet people physically but yeah and our, our part of our recovery plan that we're looking at now um for me i've broken it into uh, five elements really rather than the seven p's i've gone for five p's which is um people because we've got to look at what that looks like for our people and, and whether home working whether they're coming in the office um, processes how do we manage the differences of, of the difference of people some of them being working on the same project from home some of them being in the office how do we make sure that collaboration happens how do we manage that processes profit of course because we've got to make money we can't reinvest if we don't make great money the partnerships and the partnerships is about our partnerships and with our clients what what's their new normal what's their working practices and of course our subcontractors, because 
we are the link between our subcontractors and where we supply these guys um, and the client's processes. So what does all this look like? And then finally, the one that I've put down is predictions. What, what do we think is going to happen and what scenarios do we need to model for? What if there is a second wave? What are we going to do? What does that affect? What levers do we pull? When do we pull them? What does the rest of the year look like, really, with the clients that we've got? Um, never mind just this month, next month, which is hand to mouth at the moment. But what's the next year look like in our best guess? So those are the things that we're looking at um, as an organisation for our return to work. It brings me nicely to the, to the last question I want to ask you before I open this up. You've realised, in a sense, there's there's trapped value in your people, and this is a, a, a term we've been we've been talking about quite a bit. Well, we were yeah. discussing at book club last week, but um, by which I mean they could be offering more if you were able to find the right mechanisms for them to be able to do to do so. I think could you could you just give a brief insight into what you've discovered around this? It kind of links back to what you were just saying. I think. Yeah, it, it's very much for me that collaboration piece in that when you're in an office with people you can walk the floor and chat with people and saying where are we with so-and-so where are you with that job and you're talking to your, your your team members all the time and the managers obviously uh know what's going on in their organizations but you can i can be talking to one of our automation guys about some great technology that they're employing but i also know that somebody else in another part of the business is working on another project and, and it just it is that bridge that you build and say well have you spoken to Jess about that because she's working on this project and there isn't that interaction and because we've got some really um, bright graduates uh, and really clever technical people we're looking at how our communications will bring them together and how we get that innovation out of them because we as an organization are changing the market we work in is changing so we've got to train our young people for jobs that are going to be in the business that we're going to be rather than the business we are and that again doing it remotely is very difficult so we don't have all the answers yet but we're asking i think we're asking the right questions and engaging with our people because at the moment some of the youngsters that are perhaps i shouldn't use the term youngsters but the younger employees that we have they must feel that they're on a hamster wheel because they're delivering our um, outputs to the client that we're contracted to deliver. But there isn't that interaction to get that extra value and their fresh thinking and the freshness that they bring to um, products and services that we can freshen and keep evolving what we do. So we're now working on how we get that with um, our younger employees so that they, they learn from the older who know the trajectory and know what works and doesn't work and they can bring their fresh thinking to what we do and how we do it. So there's, there's a number of initiatives that we're looking at to see how we bring this together because there's a lot of value that's you know, sitting at kitchen tables at the moment that we're just not drawing from. Well, that seems to be a good place in which to end this conversation. It remains for me to thank you, Phil, for your insights, which I've certainly found inspirational. If you'd like to find out more about how we could help you with your crisis planning during these difficult times, please don't hesitate to visit our website, www.hgkc.co.uk and get in touch. Thank you for listening and goodbye.